0: Chris, your take.
1: Um, I don't know, man. I'm. To be fair, I was not paying attention. I'm gonna edit this out. I was. I don't know if you saw my uh, my. I tried to get build interest to our podcast. I posted a picture of me in my Grizz shirt. Man, I'm getting a lot of flack online. <laughs> my phone's been vibrating, so while you're talking, I finally decided to pick it up. I think we'll get a lot of listens. Are not happy. Right? Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave, and pulled to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me today, I have Brian.
0: Hey, Chris, good to be here.
1: And we have Friend of the Pod, part of the Big Sky Podcast Network from the Grizz Fan Pod, Mike Nugent. How you doing, Mike?
0: I'm doing great.
2: Thanks
1: for having me on, guys. We're excited. We're excited. I'm in the mood. I've got my uh, Maloney's Butte Montana koozie on my beer. I actually have my Grizz t-shirt on to try to get in the head of the grizzlies right now and figure out what what to expect out of mike but like all episodes we bring to you on tubs of the club today's episode is brought to you by montucky cold snacks ain't nothing like cracking a montucky cold snack an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country the best part is when you crack a snack you're giving back Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Supporting organizations like the C.W. Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the Latin American log for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit montuckycoldsnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks.
0: So, Tubbs listeners, you already know Mike's on Gris Van Pod, but we are ecstatic to have Mike here because he is an expert on an Idaho-related subject as of February 3rd. Per Colton Clark, friend of the pod from Lewiston Tribune, the University of Idaho received graduate transfer cornerback Darian Nash from the university of montana meaning a guy with playoff experience thank you bobby hauck darian nash at 39 tackles and 11 pass breaks up and a couple interceptions as a junior last season so mike tell us about your christmas present to idaho
2: you know the whole thing's kind of weird i mean he's a two-year starter um <clears throat> he's a converted wide receiver which is Honestly, about half our team, you know, because our previous coach, Coach Stitt, only recruited receivers. So, uh, you know, he's been playing quarterback for for three seasons since he redshirted, and, and and he was a starter. And he would have come back and probably earned his job. They have um, a few transfers they brought in from Oregon State. Maybe he didn't want to compete. Maybe he didn't get around with the coaches. I don't know. It's It's weird, though. You don't really see a starter transfer in conference that often
0: no you don't i mean a lot of times what you might see is fcs to fbs or vice versa uh you know in, in the drop down situation but i know when i saw that news I, I was pretty floored i also do remember hearing his name listening to your podcast a decent amount so uh, i want to take your temperature on this part one how high do you think Vandal should be on this acquisition
2: you know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting because at times, both he and our other cornerback, Justin Calhoun, played well, and then at times, they got picked on. As the season went on, they picked on Calhoun a little bit more than Nash, so I mean, maybe that says something, but also University of Montana had, like, statistically, the fourth or fifth worst passing defense in the whole FCS, so you know, I don't know if the coaches told him he was going to have to compete for his job with some of the younger guys and some of the transfers, and he didn't like that. What does that say? I don't know. And maybe it's as simple as he really just had a different program that he wanted to go be a part of. Yeah. So I mean, I would be excited in that. It's always nice to get somebody from a rival, especially somebody who plays. Um, I don't know enough about your guys' depth to know how he's going to fit in, but certainly can't hurt, right? It's bad.
1: Our our secondary is probably the biggest weakness on our defense coming back next year so this this was big for us um yeah because like you said he's two-year starter in 17-18 um looks like he was a little bit banged up in 2019 um but brian he's that uh that classic thing that i covered in last year's all the players leaving that magical red shirt junior so as mike touched on He technically, in real-life college terms, is a senior who could have graduated, uh, meaning if he's going to grad transfer over, meaning he's eligible to play right away, there's a chance. It looks like, according to GoGrizz.com, he majored in communications. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if there's just a certain master's degree or something he wanted to go after that Montana didn't have that Idaho did. Uh, but uh, it, it from every it, it could simply be academics, and you know that's something that you can't get too angry at a guy for because that's what so, college um, athletics is about. Yeah, academics—they're aca- academics. all there to be students that happen to play football. That's why they yes. play for free. <laughs> See, that was actually
0: my initial take, and I feel like a tool for using the term acquisition, like we signed him to some like fifteen-year contract or something like that. Um, but I know when I when I just saw the name uh, Darian Nash. Uh, Because it was a guy who played, uh, you know, meaningful minutes on a good team last year, Um, I thought from the Vandal perspective, the only response is, "Hey, this is pretty good news."
1: Yeah, and his his tweet was pretty cryptic with the, because I didn't know we were even looking at him, and he just posts he doesn't have a big Instagram, he has like three photos other than this one, it's him and Idaho stuff with the chain, and just says, "I rolled the dice and watched them bet on everybody but me." Dot dot dot. W with Dollar sign T4L So I, I don't I mean, know if that me, means Maybe he didn't get into a grad program he wanted Or like you said I'm thinking uh, I know Montana's brought in a couple Pac-12 guys As grad transfers, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, so it could just very well be They pretty much said, hey, we're bringing in These guys to sure up the back end You're going to have to fight for your spot And being a redshirt senior, he was like No, I'm going to go somewhere where I can play My senior year which is interesting, I mean, I
2: definitely lean that way. You know, interestingly enough, the, the Instagram post is down now. Is it? Um, and so, I mean, I don't know what that means, but it was definitely, it, it definitely to me seemed like a shot at the current Grizz staff yeah. for whatever reason. And you know, uh, uh, Colter Nuana's with Skyline Sports once told me that I should never read too much into what college students say on Twitter <laughs> or social media because it's usually about girls. But uh, it's hard to think that that's not about football,
1: right? Yeah. I mean, With the picture of him committing, yeah, you would yeah, think, but... yeah.
0: Yeah, and that that also leads me to another question I have for you, Mike. Um, you know, when I when I saw the transfer, and really the reason I find this interesting is mostly the Montana to Idaho. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be talking about it if it was an Idaho guy, but the Montana to Idaho transfer angle uh, to me that that was really what. I, I kind of got stoked about. I remember listening to you guys. And by the way, I watched the two Idaho Montana games. I don't know how to look at the coaching performance of Montana compared to Idaho over the past few, couple of years and have anyone think, Oh, I want to jump over to the Idaho side over Montana. <laughs> Your thoughts.
2: Um, you know, that seems, that seems fair to me. I, I, you know, maybe maybe that now that we're in this post, uh, young Petrino QB era, he'll go back to wanting to win games and try hard.
1: But uh, um, well, he has a contract uh, year in three three more seasons. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in just under half a decade, his contract's up, guys. <laughs> Got to get the recruits so no, in now.
2: <laughs> no, another one point five million left, or there <laughs> we go. No, I, it's it's you know I think we're just going to see it play out. I did hear that, I mean, Nash still has to graduate. So he's still enrolled at UM this semester, I believe. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. So mm-hmm. he's got a. I don't think he's going to be there for spring ball. I think he's going to be a summer transfer. Yeah. And and it'll just be interesting to see how it works out.
1: Yeah, because I'll be interested in missing all of spring um, when, you know, I think two of the guys we have on campus now, I think they'll both be safeties that are you know, coming in early, so maybe – because he was a straight-up corner, right? He didn't play any safety. Yeah, he was a straight-up corner. So it might not hurt him too bad, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, as an Idaho fan, I'm excited because with Lloyd Hightower graduating um, and Cedric Thomas, those were two guys who had been leaders for four years uh, and about the only two guys you could really count on back there last season. So getting a, a proven Big Sky guy from a blue-chip program is big, and whether that means he wasn't going to win the job at Montana or not, uh, Montana made the playoffs and made a really deep run in the playoffs. So we'll take any bit of talent yeah. they're willing to throw our way. So I'm not complaining absolutely. about
2: it. No, absolutely. I mean, that's. I don't think there's any other way to look at it as an Idaho fan, you know. And and if he chose Idaho because he's mad at the Grizz coaches and he wants to play him, awesome. You know, there's motivation. He'll probably get the team fired up. You know.
0: Yeah, no, no, no pushback on that. Uh, now, also for our listeners, this is the only recruitment news we're going to go over in this episode because we have our recruitment deep dive, courtesy of Chris and Colton, that'll be posting on the thread as well. So, if you're hoping for, we had a few hashtag ask CATCs through all vandals asking about recruitment. Expect those to be addressed in a in the separate episode where that that comes following National Signing Day. Uh, But relating to the football talk, even though it's not actual football talk, Mike, last week we talked about the uh, potential news that could reverberate down to the big sky of Boise State suing the Mountain West, uh, potentially moving to the American Athletic Conference for football, and then needing to find a home for their Olympic sports. And the cliff notes of that for listeners is... Um, if the Olympic sports were to leave the Mountain West, some of the conferences discussed are things like the West Coast Conference, which right now BSU doesn't really profile for that conference, uh, but also uh, potentially big, the Big Sky Conference being a home for Boise State Olympic sports. Uh, a lot of the, the we had the whole crew on last week and uh, a lot of us were, if it were to happen, I'm optimistic about just Vandal related ways that Boise state and the big sky could be fun. But we're curious about the Montana grizzly centric view of resource rich Boise state, potentially having Olympic sports in the big sky.
1: Yeah. Cause to put a little bit more of a lens on that too, one of the big things we brought up, those actually was made to us. I didn't think of it is in a way how Boise state is kind of playing them out in West right now mm-hmm. is I my mean, Montana is that of the big sky. If Montana isn't on board with something, it's not going to happen. They're they, they are the power <laughs> player in the big sky. It, it, it's like Pac-12 with like a USC or, you know, the Big 12 with Texas. They're the program where if they're not on board, you're not going to risk upsetting them. And the big thing we talked about is Montana, according to the Missoula, operates on about a $20 million budget. It looks like it fluctuates a little bit each year. Um, mm-hmm. where Boise State operates on, like, almost a $60 million budget. So it's mm-hmm. do we really want to bring in a program? Now, the most of that would be the football, but you'd think that their Olympic sports would be operating on almost a completely different playing field than um, the rest of us. And obviously Montana, which we'll cover later, has had huge success in the big sky. And is it really worth bringing a program like Boise in who will just be so much ahead of everybody financially?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well I don't know if I agree with your first take about Montana so we're going to come back to that because I have thoughts but on on the Boise State thing I mean honestly I say why not and the reason I say why not is the Grizzlies the last two seasons in basketball right
3: mm-hmm.
2: finished finished um, probably arguably two of the best consecutive seasons in big sky conference basketball history, you know, up there with maybe a few others. And this conference is so weak that they couldn't even get seated higher than 14 or lower, I guess, technically than 14 in the tournament. And even, you know, 10 years ago, when, when the Grizz actually won a game in the tournament,
1: they had a better
2: seed. So it's like at some point, you can win and win and win, but if the conference as a whole isn't improved, you're not going anywhere. So I actually wouldn't mind it. I think that Olympic sports are a lot different than football in terms of what facilities do and whatnot. I mean, every Olympic sport athlete is on scholarship. They're all you know, it's not like football where you're really Out kind supporters. of seeing differences and yeah. cutting people up. So um I I would I would welcome them. Honestly.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've leaned more that way, too. I was very indifferent on it, just because I anyone that says they can't see the promise, especially for Idaho, are just crazy, because you're going to have, just for the state in general, Idaho State, Boise State, and Idaho in the same conference, that cuts down on so much of their athletic spending, and those right there are two sellouts every single year. Now, if you're Idaho, you can add Montana to that as a sellout, and possibly Eastern, so now if you're Idaho, greedily, like, it makes your home games so much yeah. better.
2: Yep. Especially if we can get rid of some of these other schools. Yeah. But circling back, you know, you were talking about Boise State, like at Montana's the Boise State of the Big Sky. And I don't know that I agree with that because at, at, from our perspective a lot, we hear our fans talk about how it would be nice to, to throw the weight around a little bit more and to start kind of – saying no to some of this stuff. Yeah, um, sure. You know, this conference is ridiculous. You know, there's 32 football teams. You know, we don't play each other every year. And what I would like to see is, you know, I don't even care if our basketball conference is, you know, nine teams. If, if nine of those teams, you know, if a bunch of them are Boise State, Idaho, Montana, Montana State, and then pick a few of the other ones, it's like all of a sudden you've got – you can eliminate some of these – these schools and these programs that don't spend any money Sex on their program. <laughs> exactly. You know? And then it's like, maybe, maybe that smaller basketball conference actually becomes a true mid major as opposed to whatever the heck it is we're doing right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You probably want to keep Weber. I mean, there, yep. cause there are good programs and there are programs that try for sure. And I mean, we showed it, it was the, according to RPI last week, the big sky was 16th, which was higher than, the Summit, the Big West, the WAC, um, you know, all the other West Coast ones. So, like, as I heard Kyler Neal talk about this on his Eagle podcast, as far as, like, the small majors go, we're probably the top small major conference, I guess. Does that make sense? Not having, like, a, a Gonzaga or somebody like that to really lean on. But mm-hmm. as far as, like, one-bid conferences go, I mean, the Big Sky is a good one-bid basketball conference. The problem is it's a one-bid basketball conference.
2: But I would I would say, is it really? I mean, like, and Brian can speak to this more than me, but I mean, it, it, as we all play through the second half of conference schedule and all those other schools, I mean,
0: I, I have to think that
2: that RPI is going down.
1: Yeah, uh, we're beating each other
0: but, up. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, now here's the thing I, I will say thats kind of makes us complex. Now, we did go down RPI-wise from 17 to 18 over the last week, but I mean, that's essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, every conference is beating itself up because every conference, if you wait, all the games that teams play, like their record is 500 because someone wins and someone loses Mm -hmm. uh, the big sky, the way that the big sky is better this year is that the bottom, the bottom teams are not as bad. So for example, Idaho state fired Bill Evans, hired Ryan Looney, the jury's in that, that was the right call for Idaho state um Idaho is playing better than we were last year. Us getting killed by teams in conference uh hurt our conference RPI more than us being competitive and still losing games hurts the conference RPI. Uh, mm-hmm. this year see what I really wish is last year's Montana team, which I think this is another thing the jury's in. Last year's Montana team is definitely better than any team in the conference this year. Oh, uh, without a doubt. But the conference let Montana down last year by having a handful of just dumpster fire awful teams. Whereas if that last year's Montana team was in this year's conference, I think a 12 seed is not an unreasonable thing to be discussing.
1: Which is Tom And a
0: 12,
2: seed, a 12 seed can win a game and then all of a sudden the conference is basketball money. Get.
1: Yeah, because that so was Tom Wisterchill at Big Sky football meet it is um, – his roundtable, that was one of the things he brought up was how he views it as we just need to get our RPI ranking up, which we have, because he brought up the, the biggest thing for him to have basketball success is getting us to where we have a 12 seed. Because he said, how many 12 seeds beat a five every year? It's like two or th- every year. I mean, at least two. Every year. Yeah, and he goes, and so you want to be in that position where you know the 14 seed does not win as frequently as the 12. And then once you win, you get – what Big Sky pays you monies for? I think it's like eight seasons after you get a win. Yeah. So, yep. like, and that's what the conference needs is just a win or two, a Sweet Sixteen appearance. You know, one of those magical runs that some teams can it, go on, like... like a VCU or Wichita State or some of these programs that, like a Montana last year, where they they've put in four years of getting the right guys in, and that was a team that probably could have snuck up on a couple teams. The problem is, you know, they're playing a three seed early instead of a five seed.
2: Play fricking Michigan. I mean, yeah. you're, I mean, the Big Sky Conference most years is not going to beat Michigan. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But it's like you, you know, it's like if the money is an eight-year cycle, and all of a sudden you can get to a point where the Big Sky can win a game once every even four years, that is such a huge shot in the arm for Big Sky Conference programs.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I mean, you guys bring up a good point about you know that that the bottom of the Big Sky is not as bad, and that's been good for us. And maybe I've overlooked in that, but. I, that happened once before a couple of years ago, and then the bottom fell out again. So it's like I hope that these coaches and these schools will commit to doing this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the big thing. That I mean, from the Idaho's perspective, you know, we talked. You talked earlier about teams that drop out. I or that we would hope uh, we can eventually cut from the conference. You know idaho is one of the schools that i feel is putting in their version of a good faith effort you know we have a new basketball facility coming in
2: you guys absolutely i mean we may joke around about idaho coming back to the conference and you know montana being having a winning record against idaho when you guys were fbs and all that but i I would take idaho over almost everybody else in the conference every day um my question in this kind of hypothetical, you know, Mike's purity conference for the Big Sky, where's Eastern Washington?
1: That's a hard one, right? Because it is. Because right now, it's no brainer to keep them. But I'm I'm still a big believer, and I know we do actually probably the fan base that listens to us the most other than Idaho is Eastern. Eastern, uh, yeah. They they if they have a couple, and Kyler broached it, if they have a couple losing seasons. Like, that program could go right back to where it riz, like rose from, which was nothing. It, they were bad in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, like, really bad. They were like northern Colorado bad. And right now, with all this winning they're doing, two national championship appearances in a decade, and they can't even fund a, a stadium. So, it, I mean, I
2: would just have to think that, that looking back on kind of historical and, and who would study this, but it's like comparing successful runs for a program over a period of time. And contrasting that with fundraising for a major capital project, I mean, they've got to be one of the worst ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, look what Western Michigan did with one – I mean, they went to a BCS bowl, but still, like, compared to the likes of Hawaii and UConn, who have also done the same thing, like, Western Michigan capitalized on it. They built a brand-new football facility or, you know, like, training room and everything, revamped a bunch of stuff, pumped some money into basketball – They utilized it, and then you look at UConn and Hawaii. Hawaii's about to be bankrupt. UConn's about to drop football. It's like, so what are, like, those are programs. You don't want to be associated with programs like that, but it's like, what do they do with the little bit of success they got? Uh, UCF, a great example of a team who came out of nowhere and seems to be doing all the right things to rally support to keep it going. But right now they're just, they're one bad coach. They're one coach leaving in a bad hire away from, not being relevant. I mean, basketball is always a weird sport where you can be good every five years, where you know you can win the conference because it just takes being like a three seed and winning the conference tournament to get into the the NCAA's. But football is where the money's at, and I mean, you can be a you can be a random playoff team in the Big Sky. We see that every year: Sac State, UC Davis. Like, you can be that random to you, Southern Utah. You can be that team that one year goes up, but if you don't do anything, it's not really beneficial to you. Where Easterns made the benefit of they've made deep runs, they've made it to the national championship, they've won a national championship. So and then, I mean they have big time boosters. I I don't understand. Yeah, I was gonna
2: say they've got a passionate fan base. I yeah. don't
1: get it. And they have big name guys. They have Colin Cowherd. They have uh, Roost. They have uh, now they have freaking. I mean, how much money is Cooper Cup gonna make and Kendrick Bourne? I was like gonna say, they're gonna have NFL have guys.
2: Exactly. More more recognizable NFL guys than any other program in the last two decades.
1: Yeah, and they can't get – I mean, I'm yeah. sure those guys have given to the stadium, but it's like how much – I mean, I'm not – not the Cooper Cup's making enough money just to drop the naming rights on it, but, you know. But his second
2: contract, I mean, he's one that seems like he might
1: – yeah. Yeah. You know,
2: he might be good for him. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think that Best is in a real interesting year because I think he's going to kind of prove that he is
1: the right guy to carry it. Yeah, he didn't just take all of Bo Baldwin's recruits, make a run, and then prove that he can't coach. Kind of what Aiki did with Erickson's guys. He fooled us all, took all of Dennis Erickson's seven months of recruiting, won us a potato bowl or or, uh, the humanitarian bowl back then. We're like, oh, we can't lose this guy, so let's throw him a bunch of money. And then he wins two games in one (laughs) game the next season, and you're like, oh, we got fooled. We had a great senior class that Dennis Erickson brought in, and he just capitalized on it. Like, Mikey Ippotti, probably one of the best Vandals ever. Not an achy guy. Just everyone remembers him because Dennis Erickson was only there for seven months. So he never played for Erickson, but he was recruited by Erickson. Yep.
0: Yeah, and he's... Eastern Washington is the they're kind of the anti Idaho right now and that Idaho seems like they may be uh, a a really far thinking research project into how much can we shit on our fans over the course <laughs> of a couple years while trying to maintain a program cuz like by the way again I love my Vandals but we're never going to get Gallic on this <laughs> I tweet I, I tweeted this uh last week in the existence of tubs of the club we've had Thirteen combined Division One wins between football and men's basketball in two football seasons and a season in like three quarters of basketball.
1: That's bad. Man, you guys,
0: but but we're still, <laughs> still here.
1: Thank you, Montucky.
0: We're still, <laughs> we're still doing, you know, the the campaign for the basketball facility. We got enough money to make it viable, um, and it's going to be like it's going to be a nice facility. You have to imagine. If we yep. can get some things turned around, and by the way, even as much as people on this show, including myself, have been frustrated with Paul Petrino, uh, th- that's still a team that you, so, to me, when you watch, it looks like you know you change a couple things and suddenly you know the it's not an incomplete team with some really good players. It's just, it could be yeah. a pretty good team. Basketball, I mean, we're just in a factory reset. But shifting back to Eastern Washington. Even down years for Eastern's football right now are, you know, they're like on the playoff bubble. Yeah, last year out type of basketball (laughs) for like four or five years running it. You know, the last time they made the NCAA tournament was 2015. Last year that the Big Sky Conference tournament was held at a home arena in Montana. Uh, But after that, they've been competitive. You know, they've been in the last two conference championships and lost to Montana. Those are two, you know, the two premier sports they're doing real well in those and they're still not raising their money.
2: Yeah. You know, it's going to be, I mean, from the outside, it's like, I don't worry about Idaho as much as like that U S fans do, because I just think it's like, they're going to, it's going to settle in. And, and they're going to be one of the year in year out, regular competitive programs in the big sky. Um, it just seems like there's too much going for it not to be. Yeah. Um, Eastern, you know, is interesting to me because if Eastern doesn't maintain their winning, I don't think they get invited to that conference. And don't get me wrong, I I I love playing Eastern. I love the rivalry that's developed. I mean, I enjoy it. Um, but it's kind of like Boise State in the sense that, and their academics aren't what got them places. It was because they were good at football. Yeah. And it's like if we're talking about this, you know, this magical conference. They have to be good at sports to get into that conference because if they're not good at sports, the other university presidents are like Eastern Washington. And I mean, no offense to anybody, but Eastern Washington is not the same level of school as Idaho, Montana, Montana State. You know, those are major
1: land grant, the leading
2: institutions of their of their states. So Eastern's got to be good at sports or they're they're not in it.
1: Yeah, then you have the opposite. You have Idaho State, who's a decent academic school, but just like forever awful at sports. Yeah, I just, that <laughs> whole thing is weird. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, to be fair, Southeast Idaho is its own world. It practically should just be Utah. But I've always thought it's weird. Like, Idaho State is not, they haven't been. I, I, I don't know if you listened to our episode last week. Did you know Idaho State has like six or seven Sweet 16 appearances?
2: You know, I feel like I did know that they had this really interesting basketball history. Yeah,
1: like the 70s and 80s. They were apparently just like phenomenal at basketball, but nobody knows about it because like I was like, if I'm the AD, I'm bragging about our rich basketball history and just being like, screw it. We're never going to win at football. We built a dome that's shittier than the Kibbe Dome, so we're never going to win that battle. And then we're like too close to both the Montana schools and too close to Weber to ever win one of those battles. But basketball, we have this, they have, like, the richest basketball history out of anybody in the big sky. They have an Elite Eight appearance. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I lived in Idaho for, for 16, 17 years, and I had no idea that <laughs> Idaho State was this secret powerhouse at basketball, like, not even that long ago. Like, people that are alive still have their memory to remember that. Like, it's not like it was in the 30s or 40s where it's a bunch of people with dementia. This is... Prime when sports became, like, college athletics started to become huge. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Man, can you guys imagine being a a fan of a program? Well, you guys can't imagine this to a point, but being a fan (laughs) of a program that it's, like, in your lifetime, they were so fun and so good and so magical to watch, and now they're just, oh, my God. Like, nothing, nobody compares to Idaho State in that front.
1: yeah. Like I can't even imagine being like growing up Idaho State basketball fan. Now you look at it now and it's, I don't even know the last time they were in the conference tournament with higher than like a 6 seed.
2: Like, yeah, I mean this has got to be one of their best years in a
1: long time. And aren't they like third to last? Where yeah, are they? The I feel like
2: sometime when I was in college they might have had a good year where they were in a, you know, in the top third of the conference.
1: So, okay. It's so, been a while. So I'm curious um that step on my toes here if i'm moving too fast but we're talking about what's your dream big sky because i know this gets thrown around a ton of like you know the california schools could probably be dropped some people say nau some people say weber what's your your dream big sky
2: man that's tough well i mean to me it's montana montana state idaho Weber, and that's your four to start from, and then we start evaluating everybody else based on, you know, does one have to come with the other? Like, in this scenario, does Idaho State have to come with Idaho? Probably.
1: (laughs) You know? I don't know. We've left them before, so... (laughs) I guess that's a good point. I mean, that's a good point. It's not really a thing. You would think it would be this big thing, but it's never really been that heated. I think now that we're back and Boise State's not in this division of football anymore. Our alumni are trying to be like, well, you know, actually, if you think about it, Idaho versus Idaho State makes a lot of sense. But we're like trying because it's never been a thing. But so I'm not sure we would be <laughs> not okay with dropping them. And I'm not sure they'd be too upset if we left them. So yeah. But what did they do? You know, yeah. I don't know. They would join, so- this, join the WAC with all the other Southern Utahs and. Dixie State.
2: Which is my worst nightmare. Like, somehow
1: Dixie State's going to end up in the Big Sky Conference. Because Brian has a different opinion on most of this. That's why I knew I wanted to kind of ask it. Because I'm with you. I'm like, definitely the four you mentioned. I think just because Eastern and NAU have been there for so long, you include them, even though we kind of just shat on Eastern for a little bit. Like, they came in, what, 78 and... Like NAU joined in <laughs> yep. like 74. So, I mean, they've been there for a while. So, at least you have like kind of the founding members all back, except Montana or uh, Nevada and Boise State. And then, honestly, cool. that's kind of fine by me. Like, I'm okay with the Utah or the California schools doing their own thing, Southern Utah, Dixie State, um, Northern Colorado could probably go with them. Uh, the one thing I would love, and it doesn't make too much sense, I think, and this would help for basketball purposes, if New Mexico State finally makes the drop, I think snagging them would be good. Because if you keep yep. Northern Arizona, it becomes an, an easy rivalry for those guys to start forming. And New Mexico State's a, uh, an amazing basketball program. They'd probably win the Big Sky this year, or at least be they'd be a top-two team. So, you know, that mm-hmm. helps bring up the basketball for the Big Sky. So... I, and that's I think, what I was
2: gonna kind of ask you guys is we talk about it a lot and like let's just pick our eight best and get rid of everybody else. But are there a program or two out there that it's like, hey, if if they were, you know, if in this giant college football realignment, if if it made sense for us to join them in some way, and you know, and, and New Mexico is an interesting interesting one for sure.
1: Yeah, because I mean they're seventeen and six, eight and zero in conference. They're probably gonna win the whack again and go to the tournament for, like, the fifth straight year.
3: Yeah, good for them.
1: Yeah. They're loving that the whack fell apart. They've just ran (coughs) that. It's the only thing they've ran in their program's existence. Like, people make fun of Idaho a ton for, you know, like we went up to the FBS in 96, got three bowl wins, and then dropped. I think, I mean, we could look this up, and I could be wrong. I'm sure people will do it at home. New Mexico State's been there since, like, the 70s, and they've only been the two bowl games ever. So, like, as much as Idaho fans complain about, like, we went once every 10 years, imagine going, like, once every 25 years. That oh, would man. be, like, they don't even have winning seasons. Like, I don't know how their football program, like, hasn't dropped.
2: It, it, it amazes me and that people still go. Like, why would yeah. you go? Like, what <laughs> well, is fun about that? It's not like
1: New Mexico is much better. So I guess if you like football, you don't yeah. have a lot of options. No, I guess not. It's not, it's not like, like Idaho when we suck. We lost all our fans to Boise State but, or U- or Wazoo. It's like, there you like football. Oh, you know, maybe you like UTEP, but they're not necessarily good either. That, that region is just terrible for football.
2: So, question for you guys. Is there a whole subsegment of your fan base that thinks it's okay to be fans of both Idaho and Boise State? And follow-up, does that drive the traditional fans nuts?
1: Yes and yes. It, it's, it's definitely <laughs> the younger generation. Yeah, because um, they don't know any different. No, it's like and it, two it, different- it's <sighs> happened since... I mean, it's really happened when Boise State came to the rise. Um, for instance, mm-hmm. I know... Um, one of my fraternity brothers in college, his dad was a professor at Boise State. So he was like a huge Boise State fan, and he'd piss everybody off. He'd walk around on Saturdays in Boise State stuff. And we're like, dude, like, go to the Idaho games in Boise State clothes, and you're like, this is just, this is wrong. Like, growing up full-blown Idaho fan, I was like, I can't believe this. Then, you know, that was 2010, the last year we played Boise State in the Dome. He literally never wore a Boise State thing again. After watching that game, he was like, Oh, this is just like, I hate those guys. Those guys are assholes. Like, my dad's a professor there, can't stand them. And it was, you saw that faction of people growing up in like the 2000s that went to college, but Boise State, you know, went to the Fiesta Bowl and everything. They were Bronco fans because Idaho was never competitive. But then all it took was getting them to one, you know, Boise State Idaho game. For them to realize like, oh, this is heated and like now I see why I don't like them because you, know, you get it with Montana State there's gamemanship that goes on and there's little things it's not like anyone's an asshole it's just there's little things that go on the extra taunting the the waving at fans when big plays go or when they lose and it was that little stuff that got the people, but now they don't have that game to kind of turn the freshmen back that go to Idaho to be Idaho fans and so then I'll see pictures of people I went to school with. They're a little bit younger than me, and, you know, most of our fan base lives in Boise. They'll go to Boise State tailgates wearing Idaho stuff, but just, like, chugging beers with Broncos and all this, and I'm just like, that is something, like, I get if you're down in Boise, have fun, go to the Bronco games, but, like, wearing Idaho stuff is just, like, such a weird, trashy thing to do. It's like, I don't know. I I have a big problem with it. I'm like, (laughs) you could be a Bronco. I get it. It's fun. Go to the games, but... Don't walk around their tailgates wearing Idaho stuff and being, like, all proud. Like, I went to Idaho, so I'm smarter than you guys, but I haven't been to a football game in four years, but I'll come to every Bronco game. Because <laughs> that's the, oh, they, man, they always plug to, like— I was
2: wondering where you were going with
1: that. Yeah, it's like they claim the whole, oh, I got the real college experience and you're a bunch of idiots, uh, but, uh, dude, man, you guys have really good football. I'm glad I'm here. It's like, they try to, like, shit on Boise, but they're literally spending their money— at the University at Boise State University. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. my dad yeah, once said, because I, I grew up in Boise, we were walking through campus and he's pretty diehard vandal and he was just sh- shitting on Boise State the whole time. And he was one thing he always told me that he paid for my college application, said I could apply anywhere I wanted to go. Um, but he said if I applied at Boise State, I'd have to pay for that one on my own. And then uh, he said, if you ever drop a penny on this campus pick it up because they already get more money of yours than they deserve from your taxes like he was <laughs> very anti-boise state so i have a different lens on the whole bronco thing but, mm-hmm. yeah that's my opinion i i hate the younger generation that are closet i closet donkeys i mean that's what they are
3: yeah
0: I, I i really can't I I think there's a disconnect, like you said, generationally, because look, I grew up in a Montana household back when uh, Montana and Idaho was, I mean, it was still a pretty, was a more intense rivalry than it is today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember going to the, it, it might've been the last time Idaho beat Montana at the Kibbe Dome. And I went on the Montana side with my dad and he was so goddamn pissed when Idaho won. And so was I. Um, (laughs) I have that weird background that lets me be, um, still excited about Montana. If you don't have that really specific background for the Boise state thing, um, like I I just don't get you. I, there, there's no way for me to compute that. Um, but I want to jump back really quick for 10 seconds. I did the research while you guys were talking, Idaho state basketball from 19, from 1971 to 1979, eight consecutive winning seasons from the 79 and 80 season to this season. So over 30 years, Idaho State has had six total winning seasons.
2: Holy cow. <laughs> no. I mean that is just incredible.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it explain- it explains why that they- I mean they're doing the thing that NAU should do, which we'll talk about when we talk about the NAU Idaho game. Um Idaho State has since moved their basketball games into like a, an 1800 person arena and they're starting to get, I mean, it might be 2000. I'll be generous. Um, they're starting to at least have a little bit of atmosphere, but you, you can understand you, you look at that mm-hmm. and you know, you wonder like, Hey, why isn't there more enthusiasm? Well, give people nothing for three decades, actually four, maybe. Well, what yeah. are you supposed, what are you supposed <laughs> to see there?
1: I mean, we're seeing Idaho strongly with like, two losing seasons. I mean, I mean not that our attendance was doing super great before that, but after Verlin and everything, and then, uh, like, his getting firing after one, I mean, we've covered that drama before. But now it's just incredible how, like, I was watching the men's game two weeks ago, whenever they were last at home, and, like, you could pick individuals out in the crowd. I'm pretty sure I saw one guy like working on his laptop. He wasn't even watching the game. He was sitting there doing homework. So <laughs> like it's not like we have the greatest thing ever. So I can't even imagine after like one and a half, two years of being bad. I mean we're two years away from being preseason number one and finishing as the two seed. Like we were a good program just two seasons ago and now we have people doing their homework at Cowan. So I can't imagine mm-hmm. decades. Boy, that's rough.
0: But then one – so my one last thing, because we're talking about the whole conference thing uh, that I wanted to go over, which is I had – so at Big Sky Media Days, Tom Wistersill said the size of the conference was a strength of the conference, which we, of course, don't precisely agree with, which my take on that means, you know, if you look at how Dixie State is moving up to SCS for football, they have a de- – they're independent, but they have a de facto Big Sky schedule at this point. They are. They look like they're going to be the four, the fourteenth football member. Uh, my view is that the conference probably needs to add teams, not because I want to. I think in the short term, that's that will suck. But by adding teams, we will create the stability between with some of those small, those schools that are not as strong, where. It, the conference can truly break into two conferences, and we don't have what you talked about earlier with the Idaho Idaho State of like, well, what does Idaho State do? Okay. And we have the answer of, oh no, it just needs to split into two conferences, and it'll you know, it'll be a pain to figure out who goes where and why, but it'll at least it'll at least be enough teams for two conferences. Is my view is we in the short term have to kind of embrace adding teams to eventually subtract.
2: No, I would agree with you in the sense that if this is what we're doing and this is what we're committed to. They should add teams to be able to have like an East and a West and get two auto bids, one for each side. Um, I don't love it, but I mean, if we're committed to the big, then they should,
0: they should do it. But still, I don't like it. In the interest of adding time for hashtag ask the ATCs, we're going to do a really smooth transition to basketball. So we're talking about basketball now. Last week, Idaho beat sorry, Idaho lost at Northern Arizona, 72, 77, and then one at Sacramento state, 67, 53. Uh, Trayvon Allen had actually pretty wild in both games. He scored 19 points in the first half uh, in both those games uh, against NAU in the loss. He finished with 26 points on 21 shots and Markel Frazier added 13. That was in the loss to NAU, uh, for me the positive there we played real up tempo the first half is great to see us being aggressive try to get some easy looks on offense but our what we talked about last week us being offensively limited is what ultimately killed us uh, against Sac State where we held on when we led 39-23 at halftime shot 67% from the field which we will which no one does long term uh, Trayvon Allen ended up 27 points on 18 shots. Markel Frazier, again, our second leading scorer with 10. My big takeaway from those two games is, is like talked about last week, if Idaho can score around 70, we can be competitive because uh, we don't have an elite defense. Um, our offense is r- really what needs to be clicking. Seven Around 70 points is our offense's version of clicking because it's relatively limited. Um And then the big news is uh, we got a really, really bad shooting performance out of Sacramento State in that win. They shot 32% from the field, 23% from three. I'm happy we got the win. We got a road win. I don't think there's a lot generalizable uh, to take from either of those two games other than when we score around 70, we're competitive. uh, But I don't think this team really turned a corner. Uh, Chris, you have any thoughts on the two games?
1: Yeah, so... I brought it up. I've been trying to watch more of the Men's team. But I watched the what was that Sunday when the it was, no Saturday when Northern Arizona um played and that game was I mean it felt like we were in it. And then we just made what Idaho's done a couple times, just a bunch of just dumb penalties uh that kind of ended up costing us. And then Sac State <laughs> I tuned into that one right about halftime and had to do a double take because we were up by, like, 17 points going in the halftime or something ridiculous. And then we had our center foul out, like, early in the second, if I recall. And then didn't we shoot, like, less than 50% on free throws? It was, like, I'm surprised we won that game. That was, like you said, Sac State just – we caught Sac State on – a. the most abysmal day I think a team could ever have, and we still only pulled it out by 14 points. Like, it felt like at the end, Sac State might make a push to come back. They were just like a couple threes away from getting hot and putting Idaho away. Because Idaho just, I mean, they played terrible. But the Northern Arizona game was at least exciting to watch. I watched pretty much all of that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, as far as my Klaus meter goes in terms of did these change my opinion on him earning the job full time? No, I think Northern Arizona was good to see. I think it still proves that what you know we heard on Tutelo and Nuanas and what we've kind of been saying is Idaho is definitely a team that whoever sees us in the first round of the conference tournament is not going to want to see because you're going to get mm-hmm. Idaho in Boise and. They've played just about everybody competitive. I mean, other than like we talked about last week with Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, just blowouts. But otherwise, everybody else, we've played competitive. We've played Montana competitive. We've played Eastern competitive, Montana State competitive, uh, Weber competitive. We've played really good games, and so I'm still convinced we'll probably win one conference game, but it'll probably be our seventh or eighth win of the year. And it's still going to be a, a just a terrible year. The team is notorious for just not being able to win one, a close one at least. Like every close game they've lost, and Sac State was a blowout that they let look a lot closer than it really was.
2: Yeah, I mean, Idaho to me has been interesting to watch, guys. and And – I mean, maybe you guys have covered it in depth, but I would be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on if you should be keeping this interim coach or not, because I like him. And the reason I do is I think you are so much more competitive this year, in my mind. And you know, yeah, the ball hasn't gone your way, but you guys have so many close games. So yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's. It, I think Idaho is, is actually headed in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I man, I'm not going to lie. He's definitely made the games more watchable. Last year with Verlin, which we've covered, to be fair to Verlin, was his only really bad year he ever had. It was his only yep. year yep. below 10 wins. Um, but it, it, it's a lot easier to watch this team because other than Northern Colorado and Southern Utah, they have competed until the end of every game, which is something we can't say about last year's team. But it, it just lacks – some star power. I mean, Trayvon Allen is exciting, but we'll, if Klaus or Klaus can get some guys in, and like I said, maybe win that conference tournament game, something Verlin hasn't done, we, Brian and I both agree, he should definitely get interviewed for the job. He's earned the right to interview for it full time, but I'm not necessarily convinced he's the right guy for
0: the job. So my take is that first off there's a little subtext everyone should be clear on uh there's a misconception in my mind that a lot of people have that because verlin was fired last minute this team was kind of you know stapled together at the end absolutely absolutely not true absolutely not true we lost three guys after verlin was fired all the other guys we lost from the year before transferred no expecting verlin to be the head coach Three guys we lost, Jared Rodriguez, Raekwondis Mitchell, and recruit Eric Meary. We never saw Meary play, so we can't comment on that. Mitchell is doing great at the junior college level, but in Idaho and in the offense we saw him work within, which is the same one he would have been in last year, he looked pretty dang bad. Uh, Just the the looks he needed weren't there. Uh, Jared Rodriguez, that loss hurts us, but I don't think we're a team that's a player away from being good, from, you know, being like competing for a championship. I think at best, if Verlin were there or we didn't lose those guys, we'd be maybe flirting with 500. And I, I'm i not ecstatic about the idea of another potential 500 season. Um, and I also know, man, I, I'm just, I would love to get, I'm kind of done with the Stu Moral double post offense. Listeners have heard me say that <laughs> a lot of times. Uh, if you watch Idaho play, like seriously, listeners, you don't need to be a basketball expert just for like two minutes, two minutes, how not two minutes, thirty seconds. Stop watching the ball and we have offense and just watch inside the three-point line and notice how there is no space for guards to do anything. And then keep in mind that I that the big sky is not a post-oriented league. Um uh, because of that, I, I just don't think Kloss is the guy. Um and now a guy who does run the double post thing is, you know, Travis DeCure does a lot of that in Montana. But Montana, though they they score pretty well, uh, I think kind of in spite of how the offense is sometimes, but because they recruit really strong players, who in some ways can overcome it. You know, for example, last year, I thought Montana was much better offensively. It sucked when Jamar Coe went down, but when they had no choice but to play a ton of guards, I thought the offense looked a lot better. Uh, but they always play real strong defense, um, strong defense that. We, I mean, I don't think Idaho plays that level of defense and doesn't have the level of recruits yet to have a strong to have the offense be as strong as it's been at Montana. Um so to me, I mean, again I'm happy with the results we're getting. I think it's kind of a feel good story, but you gotta keep in mind, man, we've got what, four D one wins. I don't know how you're supposed to be I don't know I don't understand thinking, hey, the guy that's the guy off of four wins and uh what, fourteen losses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, fair.
2: No. I
1: mean, fair. I can't argue with that.
2: But who are you going to hire?
1: We kind of talked. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, Brian, or just between us on some ideas. If we haven't talked about if we talked about the podcast, we haven't done it for like nine
0: months. So we could probably afford to spend a couple minutes.
1: Yeah. Um. Obvious one would be what Boise State did. God, that just hurts coming out of the mouth. Um. <laughs> get a Gonzaga assistant, like they did with Leon Rice, a guy who's proven like Mm -hmm. that. Difference is, selling a guy to move from Spokane to Boise, comparable cities. I mean, one's more on the up-and-up, one's kind of revitalizing right now. Um, But then getting them to move to the Palouse, a little bit harder to do. Uh, For how much people hate Verlin, he I do think getting him from the Utah State system worked because Logan is a similar, <laughs> Logan is kind of similar to Moscow, and Utah State is a comparable school to Idaho. They're both not the biggest name in their state, they're not in the biggest conference in their state, but they're not necessarily bad schools. They're good research schools in more rural areas. And so I'm not necessarily saying that is the guy I would want. Um, but I think looking for gems like that, maybe somebody off New Mexico State staff, somebody um, like that. And then, um, God, what's uh, Dan Monson up to, the son of Don? he's Is he still coaching at yeah. UC Santa Barbara? Do you know? Last year of his contract. So. Yeah, I was going to say,
2: I think he is because doesn't isn't that where uh, former Grizz coach Blaine Taylor is one of his assistants, or am I combining two different staffs?
1: I do UC schools are hard. So he's at Long Beach yep. State right now. Dan is. But, you know, graduated from Idaho, born in Spokane, was an assistant under Gonzaga with Mark Few. Um,
0: uh, correction. He was the. Few was an assistant under him.
1: Uh, so, oh. I mean, <laughs> so. Wow. That would be. Um, I mean, he's been a head coach for Cheney and Pasco. So. A guy who's a little bit more accustomed to, I don't want to say small-town life, but small-town life, the problem is I don't think Long Beach is going to let him go. And he may be from the Inland Empire, but, man, dragging him back to the Inland Empire from Long Beach might be... I was going to say, that's a tough sell. Yeah, because I'm sure he doesn't live in Long Beach. I'm sure he lives down in, like, Huntington or Newport and commutes in, but, man giving up that ocean i mean look at look what bo baldwin man he went to cal poly just an awful football program to be oceanside in california so i don't know it, that would be my dream hire uh i mean you know realistic dream hire obviously i'd love mark few came but no, <laughs> that's Jesus. not gonna happen <laughs> so, all right we've
2: jumped the shark
0: yeah yeah so to take it back down a notch I don't think we need to know the route the head coach comes from, but I want to talk about a few teams that I know Idaho's down, but we're going to have maybe the best basketball facility in the conference in two years. Mm -hmm. We, We are not poor in the way, or we're not going to be poor in the way that, like, you know, Southern Utah is, let's say. Eastern Washington. Yeah, I want to go over some teams that have recently hired coaches that are clear successes for them. One. Idaho State, unequivocal move up for them. They went the established D two coach route, uh, but Ryan Looney is doing more is has is winning more games with less talent than Bill Evans did last year. Montana State, who has not been great and certainly won't have better basketball facilities than Idaho, looks like they probably made the right call in uh, not retaining Ryan Fish and going with Danny Sprinkle. Northern Arizona hired. Uh, internally, their new coach Piccar is uh, unequivocally doing better than their old coach Murphy did. Who Murphy f- somehow failed up into being an associate head coach at University of Arizona. Southern oh Utah God, is bad guy. Oh, anyway, sorry. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Southern Utah is a program that's building right now. They're in the midst of one of their best seasons in a while. But if you've watched that team for the last three or four years, it's been a process. They have, uh, you know, head coach Todd Simon. You can't tell me. All these places that are getting solid coaches within our conference can land a solid coach, and for some reason, Idaho uniquely can't bring a solid coach in. Yeah.
1: Plus, if you got to remember, we're thinking kind of what we're used to, but you know that's a Rob Spear hire, a guy who's from the area. Terry Gallic, how many assistants and everything has she seen move around and been in and out of the University of Wisconsin program? Like, there's a chance there was some guy who was, you know, a low level assistant who maybe now is coaching at like a college of Charlotte or, you know, some other school you probably have never heard of, but has been through the Wisconsin program that she has connections to. So there's a chance we hire somebody that we're just totally like, whoa. But I know, like, yeah. What TJ's brought up, and I don't know, this is Montana's strategy too. All it really takes in the big sky and the whack. Is get a couple kids out of the Seattle and Portland area because they're such basketball rich cities that they're low level guys that aren't quite good enough to make like a UW USC etc. I mean there've been some. I mean Idaho's best players have come out of Portland in the last decade, so it it's not hard. The secret to winning it's just getting the guys.
2: Yeah, Montana's has been Oakland. I mean California. In
1: general,
0: but Oakland specifically. Yeah, another big basketball talent talent out of there. Yeah. Yeah, which, sorry, another one. Jeff Linder at Northern Colorado last three seasons. uh, He inherited a program that was uh, 10 and 21 last year under BJ Hill. Then Jeff Linder takes over, took a year of transition, uh, 26 wins in 2017 18, 21 wins last year. He's going to break 20 wins this year. Like, you're not going to tell me Greeley is this, <laughs> like, metropolis compared to Moscow, Idaho. Well,
1: it's beautiful in the spring. You can't smell it as much. Oh,
0: man, Greeley. Yeah, the long grass really of Greeley. That, maybe that's why Jeff Linder came there. He it, what What's his background in horticulture or something like that? Maybe the long grass of Greeley was magnetizing to him. I don't know. But, you know, if a coach like Jeff Linder can go to northern Colorado I think Idaho could be in the discussion to have a name that I mean, I, I feel like an idiot saying just a name, but we could get a good coach. You know, an example just off the top of my head, Jared Faye is an assistant right now at Idaho State. He had success at NIC, uh, North Idaho College and College of Southern Utah, sorry, College of Southern Idaho, both junior colleges in Idaho. He would be a huge get recruiting wise.
1: And that's where we got newly from. And we know how that's worked out for the women. Just poach Idaho State.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, why not? Because it should be a stepping stone. Yeah. But you know, a name you guys haven't thrown out, and I wouldn't expect you to know him. So I'm not surprised by it. But Chris Cobb is our associate head coach here. He's been on Dakir's staff for a long time. We keep he's he's the guy that we kind of keep thinking if Takir gets gets poached off to a better job, he's the guy. But Dakir keeps staying, and sooner or later he's gonna want a chance. I mean, he's somebody that if I was a big site conference school, I would be trying to talk to all day,
0: but that's just me.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is why we're not athletic directors. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. By the way, uh, for listeners, Chris Cobb four years as associate head coach of university of Montana. Okay. See Mike, exactly what you said is why I don't think fans should be married to Zach Kloss, regardless of what I talked about earlier, which I don't think you should disregard there are there are a lot of guys who could be good coaches who have experience and recruitment ties that might think of University of Idaho as a as a great first job or as a place to move, to move into chris gobb's an example this is why I, I think fans should just be excited that Kloss is getting the guys to work hard this year but to expect but to just really hope that uh, terry golic hits a home run with the higher um, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be Klaus, but um, I guess to put the to uh, button on that for my part, I wouldn't be devastated if it was Klaus because it's not like he's shown poorly. Uh, the team has certainly gotten better since the start of the year where we were pretty bad at the start of the year. Um, but s- shifting real quick, so we still have time for hashtag Ask the ATCs. Part of why we had, we have Mike on is because Idaho – plays University of Montana this Saturday, February 8th, at 6.30 p.m., that specific time, in Moscow. On Pluto Mike, TV. On Pluto TV, thank you. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> you, have pre- you have pretty nice seats at all Grizz home games, don't you?
2: Uh You know, they're probably dangerous seats. My seats are in the first row above the two rows for the visitors guests. So I'm right behind the visitors team bench The the coaches and the players could definitely hear my thoughts. And, um, you know, I keep it very, you know, polite, not picking on any players in a vulgar way, but I'll tell you, there were a few cat fans in front of me that, that were not impressed with, with me and my buddies in the, in the, in the rows three and four at the Dolber Arena. Hmm.
0: So, Mike, for our listeners, you want to give a – I mean, what, what's your take on the Montana team? Idaho fans will see if they tune in.
2: So Montana is really interesting because we, we are starting two true freshmen and playing three true freshmen extensively. Um, obviously, we, we have Saeed Pridgett, who I think is the most versatile player in the Big Side Conference. I think on his best nights, you can make an argument that he is the best, but I don't think that's consistent. And I think there are quite a few other guys, maybe four or five, that you can also make that argument for. Um, I, and So obviously he's kind of the linchpin, and then we've got Manuel, who's, who's really coming to his own in conference and scoring and, and doing that. But I will be honest, this team has exceeded my expectations. Like I, we graduated four seniors from the best two-year run in the history of the program. And, and I thought we were going to be down. And then we lost to Montana freaking Tech. And I remember that night thinking, oh my God, this is this is going to be a long year. And they've rebounded. And these freshmen have kind of figured it out. Um, that they play a tenacious kind of defense that really comes at you. And they, they're getting better at hitting their shots. So I think on any given night, they can lose to almost anybody. But on any given night, they could beat anybody. And all you have to look at is, they housed Eastern Washington at Eastern Washington earlier this year, and nobody saw that coming.
0: Yeah, this Montana team. I mean, early on things looked rough, and I, I can tell you, when I saw that someone else lost to a NAIA team, at least <laughs> I quit feeling lonely. Uh, <laughs> but you guys had a really rough uh, pre you know non conference schedule. You know, you played. A uh, handful of, you know, Pac-12, uh, you played Pac-12 teams, played Arkansas, you played New Mexico, who's a solid, you know, group of five in football language. Uh, you guys start a lot of young guys. Uh, but definitely the, uh, this team in the second half of the games we've played so far, much stronger. You know, they, they had, I think, like four uh, non-conference wins that are now, they're eight and three in conference, a half game out of first place behind Eastern Washington. Um and you know, like you said, Saeed Pridget, we saw him, you know, be a great scorer last season. Uh, man Kendall Manwell, it feels like it took him probably like eight or nine games to get used to being a go to kind of scorer. Yep.
2: yep. His and- role changed. He was a he was the best six man in the league and now he's a
0: he's he's their number two starter, you know. And you've also had some freshmen. The big one I'm jealous of is Derek Carter Hollinger uh yep. that that have grown let's say we can say they've grown into their roles that does that sound appropriate absolutely i mean some of these guys it, it, it,
2: the ceiling is so high for carter hollinger like he is going to be good
0: yeah he's a. Uh, yeah carter hollinger i'm looking at his conference stats he's averaging 7.8 per points per game in conference but uh, he, he's had his minutes imp- increase a lot as the conference season's worn on, whereas, you know, he's, you look at his points per game at 7.8, he's not scoring 7.8 over the last, like, five or six games. He's been, nope. you know, he's, he's been grown up. Fingers.
2: Yep, and it's interesting, and it's like, you sit back, and it's like, now that we're, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season, you say, well, yeah, I mean, of course, three true freshmen play in a ton of minutes, of course they're going to go lose to Washington. I mean, it's like, you know, there's a big, I don't care who you're playing. There's a big jump between high school basketball and college basketball at this mm-hmm. level. And the guys just kind of had to learn how to play it. And some of the guys in new roles had to learn how to do it. And honestly, I think Saeed had to kind of learn how to be the leader, the one leader, as opposed to one of many awesome dudes on an incredible team. And that's a that's a
0: different role. So. Yeah, and um, you know it's different for a guy like Pridget when he was on the team. You know, last year's Montana team, I know that you guys spent some time feeling like they kind of underperformed, but I mean that that was a real good team. They only lost games I felt like when they played, they did not bring their A game. You could say, uh, you know, they had two of the three, two, two of your guys' best guards of all time, um, Ahmad Rory, transfer from Oregon, and Mike Logite, like four-year starter. Uh, it's different when those guys are attracting attention. Saeed is the number one target of defense, as you could yep. say. Uh, yep. average, by the way, just for listeners, is averaging 18.9 points per game in conference. Kendall Manwell, the number two score, averaging 17.4 points per game in conference. Um, that game's on Saturday. Any So we went over a few of the key players. Mike, any other thing? Uh, or any other things you want to talk about, Grizz basketball, you think Idaho fans should know about, it, or do you just think it's worth our time?
2: Well, you know, when when we played earlier in the season, Allen, Allen had a hell of a game, and he hit some threes. And, and I remember at the time, you guys weren't a good three-point shooting team. And I don't know if that's changed, but um, one thing that that did happen to us in, this weekend against uh, the Bobcats in Missoula was Harold Frey. just... I mean, he he scored at will from beyond the arc, And it'll be interesting to see if that's their, their plan, because the Grizz defensive game plan this year seems to be like, shut everybody down and let the, let the star get their looks, but they're not going to score enough to beat us sort of thing. So I think it's going to be interesting. The other thing that, that you will notice right away is this Grizz team plays really aggressive defense and it's sometimes very frustrating as a fan to watch because it's it's good defense that bad refing turns into, um, you know, fouls more often than not. And and Brian's going to say, oh, good penetrators draw fouls or some bullshit like that. But he's wrong. <laughs> so um, –
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Counterpoint, that's what.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I, I, it's it's it, – you know, it's, it's an exciting team
0: to watch. So hopefully it's a good game. So I want to, Chris, not trying to filibuster, filibuster you. but uh, I don't have much to add to this. So I want to, I want to just comment on something Mike had said about the Grizz defensive strategy. I'm glad you said that, not me because in the Montana games I've watched, that's actually been kind of my take, which is, you know, last year, Trayvon had one of his best career games against Montana in Moscow. Um, where he scored 24 points, had a run where he scored like 12 in a row for us. But uh, Montana really shut everyone else down. Now, Idaho sucked real bad last year. So, I mean, that's not precisely saying a ton. Uh, but I, I'd seen that out of the Montana team multiple times, which is uh, part of it is not overreacting to penetration so that, you know, Harold Frey is also going to pick up 11 assists. Uh, it's that, you know, Harold Frey's got to have the game of his life to win. Now, you guys have seen, you know, uh, Holland Woods on Portland state has happened to have a career game twice against you guys in the Mm -hmm. last two years. Um, But which by the profile player I'm talking about for listeners is a guy who's a strong at penetrating into the defense, Um, Idaho as a team is actually not a particularly good three shooting team. We shot well from three when we played Montana earlier in the year when we lost 67, 63 at Missoula. But as overall, we're a pretty wretched three point shooting team. Um, So, my preview is: I wish our offense, offensively, I wish we would spread the floor and try to play like our goals to see if we can get Trayvon Allen to score around thirty-ish, uh, based off him having lanes to drive in. And then if he's if he's getting drives and he's getting good looks, then that'll create open looks for other people. Or have us push the ball in transition. We did that against NAU but Montana is much better defensively against than NAU. And I think it's going to be tough for us to get some of the easy looks against Montana that we did against Northern Arizona. Um, so if I were doing a preview, uh, I, I would expect Montana should win this game, um, but it should at least be fun because Idaho more often than not this year, at least has been competitive.
1: Yeah. I, I'm i curious. Uh, Brian, are, are you going to make this game? Or are you making the drive down from quarter
0: undecided
1: yet um without going into great detail
0: my wife and i are in the midst of let's call it family planning um so <laughs> not clear if i'll have time but
1: i will at least be watching the game i'm just i'm curious do you think cuz i i you know i have not been back to a basketball game maybe since 2016 When we were playing Idaho State, I think it was the year where I literally was convinced we were going to go to the tournament. And it was like our last game of the year, and we lost to Idaho State, which might have been why we got the two-seed. But, um, so I haven't been to a Montana-Idaho basketball game yet since we've returned to the Big Sky. Do you think this game is going to be, like, well-attended with how bad the team is because it is Montana, or... What do you expect attendance to look like for this one? Because it's in I, Moscow.
0: I expect attendance to be a little bit better than it's been as of late. I mean, over the last couple of years uh, because our attendance has cratered. Mike, we're averaging below 1,000 people per game with our teams just being terrible the last two years. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah like bad. just under a 1,000. Remember, doing but-
1: homework at games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like last year, our uh, margin, our average scoring margin was negative 14 points. And keep in mind, we won a couple of games, which means uh, to balance out those couple positive scoring margin games, we got killed um, in some games, including that last one in in Missoula, which you might remember as one like the worst basketball games I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd expect it to be a little bit up because you know, even back in that team two years ago, the... Where Victor Sanders was on it, we beat Montana in Moscow on a last-second tip-in, um, and that game I believe was over three thousand people. The game, which for Moscow is, is pretty solid, uh, but you know, to you know, I joked about earlier, it's just the thing for us is we have to give our we have to give fans reason to be excited about a team, mm-hmm. and we're just in the midst of bottoming out in a couple programs. Um, I I really feel. I don't feel down, as in like Idaho State down, like we talked about with our team. Um, but I, I just don't think there's enough people in Moscow to say, oh, just because Montana's gonna be here and we suck two years, we're gonna have real strong attendance.
1: All right. I got, I got one more question to throw at you then. Does Jackson Woodward get his first stat in this game? Rebound, steal, assist, maybe a bucket.
0: So Mike knows Jackson Woodward also moonlights as a wide receiver on the football team. I um, saw
1: you guys tweet that out earlier this week. <laughs> he joined the team yeah. middle of January. <laughs> Cause I think we were so injury prone that they found a guy who had a yep. legit shot on the football team at basketball offers. Honestly, I'm not sure the story. All I know is we randomly discovered he was on the roster, thought it must've been an error. <laughs> and then he, sure enough, he was in. And they brought it up in the NAU game. Jackson Woodward has entered the game. The Vandals wide receiver in the fall. I was like, oh, man, how home? about that? <laughs> I'm rooting yeah, for so, him. One bucket. I really hope he does. I, I don't expect he will. No. He's averaged, what, like three minutes in two games?
0: And he didn't play in our win against Sac State. So, uh, yeah, hot He's- take jack uh, enough thing against jackson because i'm i'm really happy we have a guy that versatile but no i don't think he gets his big stat I'd i don't take, think he gets his status this, this game
1: he makes a three i'll i'll take the bet on that yeah <laughs> so on if he scores or not between you and i
2: <laughs> <laughs> i like it go
1: all out <laughs> come on woodward
0: all right. So we're, we're hitting a point where I'm going to have to run if we don't jump to hashtag Ask TATCs. Jump though. We're ready. So an, another smooth transition. Now the most important hashtag Ask TATC was not from this week. It was from last week. Mike. Grizz Fan Pod accused Chris Hammond of having exposed himself as having questionable ability to evaluate quarterback talent. And the first part of the question was, do you blame us on Petrino exposure, which we said, yeah, yeah quite possible. That's quite <laughs> of But second, we have absolutely no idea what, what you were talking about or if it was you at all.
2: Um, so, Chris, I need you to explain to the audience what type of quarterback you think Jake Constantine is.
1: Jake Constantine. Huh. I don't recall any takes I made on Jake Constantine, so Was, this, this will be, be talk- difficult. But um, <laughs> I, if I had to guess, I insulted him because he's a former Bronco.
2: Okay, that makes me feel better. So maybe I'm mixing you and somebody else up, but somebody on one of these podcasts commented on one of the FCS Fate Nation fan Facebook groups. Talking about how he's leaving Weber State and might go to oh, like Utah State or something like that. That like, was me. Are you me. kidding
1: yes. me? That was me. I what? yes. Like, what? I I to explain that take. I don't no, think that would be no a good. It. I don't think that would be a good get for any of those programs. No. But we actually covered oh. that later on the podcast when we announced that he was transferring. It just feels like if you transfer from the FCS you're not going to make the jump to another FCS program. Cause, I mean, like, Gress Jensen's a better example. He actually could have started somewhere. So I just felt like if he's transferring, he's transferring because he still thinks he's FBS good. And the only school I think would take a chance on him would be, like, a Utah State because he's from the Salt Lake area. That's why I, I said that. I don't think he would start for them.
2: So it, interestingly enough, uh, that conversation on Twitter also – Led me to finding the only Idaho State fan
1: on the internet. That ISU uh, guy on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs>
2: he he uh, apparently took very literally my disappointment that Jake Constantine was leaving because I wanted the Grizzlies to destroy him <laughs> next year, and uh, he 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 took uh, he took offense to that for several tweets.
1: Yeah, well. While we're on the, the subject of quarterbacks that used to play at Boise State, is Cam Humphreys the guy next year? For those of you who don't know, Cam Humphreys is the incumbent to Dalton Snead at Montana.
2: I would say that if you're asking me, is it Cam Humphreys or the field, I'm taking the field.
1: Okay. I'd love um, to see I, donkey I, quarterbacks fail, so I like that. <laughs> and I, I think Cam
2: Humphrey is, is, is good, and I think the Grizz could be very good with him playing. I think that you're going to find that they, they want somebody a little bit more dynamic. They're really high on this junior college transfer they're coming in. And there's a sleeper guy who redshirted this year, a guy named Chris Brown, who actually went to school in Bozeman, and, and um, the Grizz signed him. And, and I think it's going to be an interesting battle, Um, And then the uber wild card is, you know, when Gresh Jensen transfers back and steals the job from everybody.
1: (laughs) That's, uh, we also discussed that on on an episode. (laughs) We went through all these possible places he was going to go, like Montana State, maybe like in Eastern, Idaho State, something like that. And then we're like, like the guy who's on the podcast, Sean, like the least amount, I think was the guy who's like, shocks the world, goes back to Montana. And I was like
2: back to Montana. Honestly, I wouldn't
1: be that surprised. Sneed's gone, he comes back in, finishes what he started. Man,
2: see, if 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 Bobby Houck was was not Bobby Houck, that might be a chance, but Bobby Houck is a you you quit on your team and you are not coming back type of guy. Yeah. Maybe there's room in his heart. Don't you think Gresh should end up with you guys, though? I mean, you got a great freshman signee. Yeah. Gresh is one year.
1: I mean, we just got a I transfer awesome. from UConn because their program yeah. is like pff, nuclear war yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, Saw that. Yeah. So, you know, and then we still have Colton Richardson, you know, the b- big sexy. But uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you're telling me right now, Gresh Jensen says, hey, I want to play because he only has, what, two more years of eligibility or will he only have one? He's got, he's got one. Yeah, he's got one I year. would 100% take Gresh Jensen to do it this year because Brian and I have talked about this. You know, part of the reason we got CJ is because he's coming off a knee injury. So we're kind of gambling on him, all the talent's there. But if he doesn't recover well, you know, there's a chance we're still looking for a quarterback in the next couple of years. So having him have a full red shirt year where he's not taking content and just learning the playbook is probably the most beneficial thing for him. So we don't mm-hmm. want him backing up Colton, who, I mean, we love, but hasn't proven to stay healthy. And so, yeah, long story short, I would a hundred percent love if Gretchen came to Idaho.
2: Yeah. I kind of think that if he ends up in the big sky, he's probably going to Weber, but I we'll want see. him in the
1: big sky. I, I want to you know he's a fun quarterback to watch.
2: Oh, I absolutely want him in the Big Sky cuz one way or another the Grizz fan base needs to to settle the debate on if he would have been a good Big Sky conference quarterback in, what, as he got older. What or if not.
1: like so, he transfers to like Weber State and Chris Murray transfers to like Cal Poly and we finally get oh to my. see what these two dudes could have been had they had their stuff together. <laughs> no,
0: there's an academics joke to be made about the Cal Poly. Oh, well, you're right. All um, right, <laughs> I, will, I will not make. I just want to Southern Utah, the
1: Eastern Washington.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the two things. One, real quick, just for listeners, um, Gress Jensen was a FCS Freshman of the Year quarterback at University of Montana a few years back. Then, then when Bobby Houck took over, he lost the starting job. Transferred to a California junior college, did great then transferred to Texas State, uh, was kind of up and down, also had a really bad concussion, missed a ton of time. So part of the excitement is that he had kind of trolled Montana by back when he transferred to Texas State. By you know He was recruited by some big sky schools, definitely posted a, a really exciting picture of him in Montana State uniform. That's why he's a talking point for us two weeks in a row. I'm just ecstatic that we have a journeyman college quarterback who in four years of playing will have played at four separate schools.
1: That's just... It, that's just the modern era nowadays. Yep, it really is. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is. Tate Martell <laughs> is going to announce he's transferring for the third time here any day now. I guarantee it. He's going to leave Montana and go to Marshall or some crazy ass thing. <laughs> you know, no, Tate Martell, former five star quarterback, Ohio State, now at Miami. Yeah, it's just what the modern generation does. They don't win a job and they just transfer.
0: Now, now hold up. I don't disagree that there's more transferring, but like there's not this army of quarterbacks who play who, for, for four seasons, start at four separate schools.
1: No, not yet, but it is. Well, I think it's going to become more common.
2: but you know, and honestly it's, uh, and and I, I might have an unpopular take on some of this and with some of our Grizz fan base, but I don't necessarily blame any of his stops because he was oh, freshman no. of the of year and he came in, his coach gets fired he sticks around for spring ball, but I'll tell you, I watched a ton of that spring ball. It was not an even competition. And when I say even, I don't mean one was better than the other. I mean, they gave every opportunity to Dalton oh, to win the job. So it's Dalton like a Idaho, guy.
1: So it's an Idaho and, quarterback competition where it's and, 50, and so, 50, you, but Mason you takes can't say that it was wrong. Snaps. I mean, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's like how kind his guy and it worked out. But you will have you have a lot of fan people who talk about how he quit, and he did. He left, but I watched a ton of that, and it was not a – they didn't get equal reps with the same, same groups of starters is what I'll say. And
1: to defend the student athlete here, they get four years to put tape together to get a shot to yep. get paid for all the stuff they've done for free for years. So yep. if you're him, Texas State at the time – Coach goes there. That was an opportunity to go play in an air raid system. You know, yep. the, the, for him, that was trying to put tape on. He's not going to get to the start there. They gave it to a freshman. He's just looking for a chance in his last his last chance to put some tape together and get an outside shot at the CFL, held the XFL now. Like, the all these guys, what most of these guys want to do is go pro. We want to pretend they want to get their degrees and be athletes. But if you received a scholarship, you – think at some level you can go pro the preferred walk-on mm-hmm. guys are the guys who th- are just there to play football most of the time and have fun
2: yep don't disagree which,
0: which now because i need to have another great transition hashtag ask <laughs> t-a-t-c from martin at hand underscore 71 what would be worse for montana basketball question the loss to montana tech or a loss to idaho
1: well, what, even like a – I want Mike answer. <laughs> I mean,
2: it, Montana Tech, like,
1: you know – <laughs> They're NAIA, aren't they? Yeah,
2: I mean, it's like that's just awful. I the don't know if – Idaho, it's just like a young, inconsistent basketball team that had a bad night on the road. I guess a team the who's the tech, There's just no me.
0: excuse. Yeah, I'm not clear if Martin is aware of the – I mean, is it even a backhanded comment about Idaho there?
1: Probably. Like, yeah. I
0: feel that's. I feel that. that's just an. Oh, why well, maybe it was an accidental backhanded comparing us to Montana Tech like that. But yeah, it mostly feels just like an open-handed slap. We are one and one against oh. NAIA, aren't we? <laughs> oh yeah, but that was that was in non-conference. That was years ago. Um, <clears throat> Meaning this season, but. Uh, <laughs> Next hashtag T A T C and this is from Martin again. This is for Grizz Fan Pod or Mike. If you're stranded on an island, who would you rather have stuck with you from Tubs of the Club, Brian or Chris?
2: <laughs> oh man, that's a tough one. And and I will say that the answer is probably biased towards. I, I know Chris a little bit more, or, or I, I know Brian a little bit more than Chris. So. Brian, if we're stuck on a on an island, I am banking on you figuring out how to get us out of there. You seem to have a very analytical mind. That's a fair so answer. So, <laughs> you you are gonna solve it. Chris and I would probably just
1: find beer. I would bring and, Montucky, and we would and, probably and, die.
2: <laughs> it would exactly. It would be what it is.
1: <laughs> like, it's not a bad way to go, though. <laughs>
2: nope, nope. Just embrace embrace happiness. Whatever.
0: I think Martin might call that an equivocation, but I'm going to take <laughs> And really, that's the only uh, hashtag ask the ATCs we have. Yeah, solid answer. Uh, just again for listeners, we had a handful of recruiting questions. Those will be addressed in the next episode.
1: No, previous previous episode. Previous. Oh, so we're Christ. recording okay. Tuesday. Yeah. This will post Thursday when you guys are all hopefully listening to this and then. Colton and I will be recording. I'm doing two podcasts in 24 hours for you guys, so please grace any editing slip-ups. These might not be the prettiest two, but we will have recruiting out when you're listening to this Wednesday, yesterday, Um, and then this was pre-anybody signing but won't post. It'll post normal because it's a normal episode. We did a Twitter poll. You guys wanted two different episodes, so that's how we did it. So, (laughs)
2: haha. I'm just I I'm impressed that you guys edit. We we definitely don't edit on the Grizz fan. Pod.
1: I just edit to make myself sound like I'm doing more than I'm doing. Fair.
0: <laughs> so, Chris, you know the answer to this. Has Mike been iced before?
1: Uh, I don't think so because we've only had Mike on one episode, and that was 2018, I think. So we should we should bring that back. We kind of forgot to do that subject. We <laughs> you're leading this podcast. I think you should do it. Okay. I think it's getting tuckied I, now, though. I think we gotta stay on brand. <laughs> I I I accept this.
0: So, my, Mike, are you familiar with the getting ice segment? If not, I'm just gonna explain it anyway. It is when you get to ask us any question you want, but you get no advance notice.
1: It can be personal or sports related. So, you don't. You can make it whatever you want.
2: Yeah, I want to know why. You, Chris, um, are so buddy-buddy with all these fans from other teams to gang up on the Grizz fans. It seems like a real deep-seated insecurity in the Big Sky Conference that you all know who really is the big dog metaphor. Hey,
1: no. See, this is, this is how I view this because this is great. I, I saw your post, uh, the, both the Grizz fans post on my <laughs> picture. So the people that have tuned in to this point, thank you for listening. The marketing worked um but i get this because i talk about every team i get this reputation that people think i hate their teams but i actually love because like i watched the big sky when idaho wasn't in it it's so like i like the big sky and so i thought that that would surprise people because like obviously i mean it's no surprise you brought it up people hate montana like Eastern especially, Montana State especially. Now, those are two of the more active fan bases. So I think they, like, view this as this ally that we all have to hate the Grizzlies. It's like, no, I I don't mind Montana at all. Like, when we're playing them, yeah, I want to beat them. But, yeah, like you said earlier, like, it's a very like institution for Idaho. It's, you know, a big time. has been there forever. For Christ's sakes, we are in the Pac-12 <laughs> Like, the inaugural Pac-12 at some point. Like, I I like all Big Sky schools. If I was being honest, the one I probably hate the most is Eastern. (laughs) (laughs) Because I love, like, they have fans that are, like, Kyler Neal, Kelsey. Like, they have uh, Nick Fell. They have really good fans that are fun to interact with. But, God, they have some people that just have this, like, they – I want – it's like being a Seahawks fan. There's tons of – we call them 12s after 12. There are tons of, like, Eagle – Eag Nation after 2010 people that – Kyler will admit <laughs> nobody watched Eastern football until 2010. And so I find it funny when they're talking all this smack on us, and I'm like, I didn't even know who you guys were until 2010. So – but, no, sure. I I love all the big sky, and so that's why I, I'm wearing the Montana shirts. <laughs> I was like – I. I I'm supposed to hate them, I know. Eventually maybe this rivalry will be like Boise State. I don't I can't imagine me ever hating you guys like I hate Boise State. But I will
2: I will say that doing the podcast for the last few years now and getting to know some of you like you guys or some of the other guys from some of their schools has actually made me enjoy the conference a little bit more cuz it's fun to know people on the other team. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Friendly ribbing, and, making bets. Exactly.
2: <laughs> but it's interesting cuz like some fan bases I can get people to engage and others just don't do it. And the Eastern fans, with the exception of like Kyler and one other, it's like it's like there's this the level of maturity is a little bit lower. It's like they just won't they won't engage in substantive conversation. No, that's
1: <laughs> you 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 know sheep we won't go there, mother, we won't go there. And it's like, they just take it, like, way – it's not even, like, friendly banter trash talk anymore. It's like you're on the – like, I'll be scrolling through my Twitter when I'm – because I commute on a bus to work. (laughs) I'll be, like, on the bus. I'm, like, hiding my screen. Like, jeez, if somebody reads what these people are saying. (laughs) But all in all, like, like I said, I said I don't like Eastern the most. I still like Eastern, like – I have fond memories Mm -hmm. of going to Cheney as a kid watching Seahawks training camp. All in all, I think they're a pretty fun brand of football to watch. The red turf thing is gimmicky. But, yeah, all in all, any of the true Big Sky schools I like. Now, will you ever catch me wearing, like, a a Sac State shirt? No. But, like, the true Big Sky schools that we kind of talked about, like, I like them all. I love being back in this conference for that, that fact. So, I find it funny that, like I, said, I post one picture of me in a grizz shirt and Twitter loses their mind, but we—I know you got some hate. But yeah, hey, we got about for people that wonder why we talked about Boise State last week. We just are doubling down. We bring up Boise State for the first podcast episode ever, and we like triple our basketball numbers and almost beat half of our football podcast numbers. So, <laughs> so this week we go, why don't we bring Montana on, <laughs> and then it's, also and then also talk sweeps. about Boise State. Plus, post a picture. We might quadruple our numbers. Our all-time highest listened-to episode is with Bear Tycoon. We might beat that with this one. Oh man, I
2: hope so because I am such a better Grizz fan than Bear Tycoon. <laughs> I mean, he knows it, I know it, you know it. So here we are. Yeah.
0: Just wait until my deep dive to find a Southern Utah fan materializes.
2: You know, we found a Sack State fan this year. We did, and then more.
1: Yeah, so. and and a UC Davis, and we got a yeah. message on the Big Sky Podcast Network from some a couple of guys that are looking at starting their own Weaver podcast. So, which
2: would be awesome because Weaver is another fan base where it's
1: like, where are you guys? Yeah, you guys are a good program, like a phenomenal program at basketball and on the up and up yeah. in football, and you've been there forever, like. What the hell? Where are you guys at? I mean, they have a
2: good beat writer, you know. They're covered yeah. well. It's Brett hein covers them really
1: guys? well. He's just too busy to do a podcast. They need yeah. a, us. Exactly. We're we're not the Nuñez brothers. Like we have time to be idiots and do this. They do actual journalism. They can't be doing goofy <laughs> crap like this.
3: Oh,
2: exactly. Well, this seems like as good a time as any to, you know, pitch the Grizz Fan Pods uh, recording a new episode next Monday. And uh, Colter Nuadas is our long form interview. So it should be interesting.
1: Yeah, we 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 give them a lot of love on this and we keep telling people to listen now, whether they do or not. Who knows? But they are definitely the top news outlet. If you're looking strictly big sky, I think for all things, basketball, football. But we we love listening to them. Um, Yeah. I like it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are recording an episode because Brian and I have been joking. It's changed because now Kyler just resurrected the Eastern Washington podcast. But I was saying, like, we were the only ones doing off-season content. So we were kind of like, oh, should we just cover, like, the Big Sky in general until the season starts? So it will be nice kind of having (laughs) – i don't know what to do when i don't wake up tuesday morning and gris fan pods live and then wednesday big sky big takes and i have my podcast set for the week and now i like wake up i agree no yeah no podcast i mean i
2: admire you guys it's just it's such a commitment to do the pod and so it's like we kind of give ourselves permission to take time off
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but- yeah that's why we made the brian do this all by himself last year <laughs> <laughs> anyways <laughs> brian you want to wrap it up <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, Mike, tell everyone where to find you.
2: You can find me on Twitter at Mike M. Nugent or at GrizzFanPod. Uh, the Fan Pod records most Monday nights and drops on Tuesdays on the Montana Mid-Sports Network.
0: And then I'm going to tell everyone may- – seriously check out the montana mint sports one even if you don't make it through the audiobook that is the average grids on pod episode <laughs> hey, if you listen by if half. you listen for 30 minutes you'll know the name's good enough that it starts to become more fun to watch and pay attention to the games chris what's going on
1: was anything you want to bring up or just tell people where to find you um yeah so you can always find me at chris underscore p underscore hammond on twitter to hear all my jake constantine takes um also i do have two articles waiting to get posted one on fcs fans nation um and one on tubs of the club so i think the tubs of the club one's going live tomorrow fcs fans nation possibly as well so go check those out and then go back in your podcast stream and go listen to colton clark and i break down this uh This 2024 Frisco National Championship winning Vandal recruiting class. All right, I can't even sell it like that. But we'll talk about the odds that this class does something special.
0: Oh, which, by the way, last – I can't believe I didn't ask. Mike, I have like 30 seconds and I got to go. What is your take on the hero sports article that ranks Montana's recruiting class at number eight in the big sky?
2: You know – I admire the hero sports guys. Cause it is hard to cover FCS across the entire nation with two guys. I don't know how Brian McLaughlin could ever understand recruiting classes in schools like Montana outside of the, the star guys we get from places like California or Washington. So I don't put much stock into it. Just like I didn't put that much stock into it when he said we had the number one recruiting class a few years back. Um, I think, you know, We'll we'll see in a couple of years how it all works out. But Montana and Montana State both are so full of finding gems and small towns that nobody really knows about that it's hard to rank them.
1: The Troy Andersons of the world.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean he was
2: he was on nobody's radar. And yeah.
0: My take. I just like another thing that gives me names so that it's not so that I'm familiar with the guys that they're talking about. Love the work. Obviously, it's a work of abstraction and extrapolation. I guarantee if they were on the show, they wouldn't disagree with that either. Nope. And because I truly do have to run now, you guys can follow me at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. Thanks for downloading. Keep sending us your questions. And now it's time for the best band in all the land to play us out. Go Vandals.
1: Go Vandals. Go Grizz, all right.